0: Okay, I'm going to invite Matt up now, he's going to come and share our next uh, bit <laughs> from, the, from the book of Hosea. Uh, we've kind of been working through this chapter by chapter and Matt's taken on uh, chapter 6 to 8 today, which is quite exciting. Close, 9 to 11, Dave. 9 but to el- sorry, <laughs> 9 to 11. Sorry, 6 to 8 was awesome. Okay, anyway, right. um, We're going to pray for Matt now. Um, yeah, Father, I just want to take a breath and I thank you for those words that we, uh, we just sang in that song. Run after you, Father, and mm. yeah. Just as we uh, as we look into this book again, would you remind us of how much you love us, yeah. about the fact that you are so intent on having a relationship with us. I'll pray for Matt as well. I thank you that he's such a gift to us. He's a, as a leader, as a friend, as a coworker, as a member of this church. Would you bless him now in the words that he's going to say, and may you bring out. Truth that comes from your word, so that we may all be blessed and challenged today. Amen. 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 Okay. Amen. Cheers, Dave.
1: We're actually going to be focusing right in um, on chapter 11 today, chapter 11 of Hosea. So I I thought it'd be good to give a bit of background. You may have heard some background, but I thought it'd be good just to kind of recap a little bit, get us up to chapter 11. So if you're looking for Hosea in your Bible, he is the first of 12 short uh, books right at the end of the Old Testament, and that's the, the half of the Bible kind of covering up to just before Jesus is born. And these short books are called the Minor Prophets. And just to be clear, that's not because they were all under 18 or because they had picks and went underground. Um, it's because they kind of, their books are quite small. And that's it. It's, that's the only reason they're called Minor Prophets. But their, their words are so, still super significant to us. Um, the first three chapters of Hosea are this lived-out or enacted prophecy where this, this guy, Hosea, is told to, to marry someone, told by God to marry an unfaithful woman called Gomer. And uh, their three children are each given symbolic names, um, representing part of his message. The rest of his book is a charge being brought by God against the people, which fleshes out the meaning of these parables. So um, I, I think it'd be good. I don't think we've said this yet. One difficulty for me with the book of Hosea is that from a female perspective, Why has it got to be the woman that is unfaithful? We kind of sometimes get these things, don't we? And uh, we just need to be really clear that the unfaithful wife isn't meant to say that it was just the women of Israel who were being unfaithful to God or that somehow women are in any way more susceptible to unfaithfulness than men. Uh, She represents all of the people. And so it's helpful uh, today as we look at chapter 11... That actually, uh, God's people, Israel, they're described as a son, um, but they're still just as unfaithful. So that's the downside. But it's, it's good just to be reminded that. And this is all happening um, uh, just over 700 years before Jesus was born, at a time when Israel had been very prosperous and, and Israel were in this kind of place of comfort, uh, maybe a dangerous place to be sometimes, and, and they neglect God. They either ignore him completely, or they actually embrace the local religion, trying to kind of mingle it in with faith in the one true God. And then Becca shared brilliantly with us a couple of weeks back about the cost and the pain of sin, the cost of doing things which hurt God, hurt each other, and hurt ourselves. And then last week, Dan mentioned this ongoing cycle of Israel being fickle, being unfaithful, having a lack of integrity, and then God is faithful. God warns them. Then they're unfaithful again. There's this lack of integrity, a false, false worship. Then God warns them again, and you see this cycle going on and on through the book of Hosea. And then when you read Hosea, I don't know, I won't ask the question, but if you've read the whole of Hosea, you kind of get this sense of deja vu as you go through it, as this cycle just seems to be repeated. These people who go for reliance on other kings, other nations, looking at different gods, um, even giving thanks to these other gods for things which have been gifted them from the one true God. Um, actually missing God's complete and utter faithfulness and goodness in the things that he has provided. So this morning, uh, it's that utter faithfulness of God which I want us to home in on. Um, but hang on a minute, okay, before we all kind of go, Amen, God is faithful, let's go to the pastries, or maybe that's not going to happen, big Amen, maybe a mumbled Amen. Um, I just wonder how many of us at some point have asked the question, is God faithful? When we've sat there on our own, when we're feeling a bit, <laughs> when we're feeling a bit rubbish, when we're struggling, or maybe when there's something we want to see exciting happen, we're, we're kind of pushing in for God and we say, why isn't this happening? God. Are you faithful? I'd be amazed if um, some of us today, at least, haven't asked that question. Or maybe we're not even asking that question today. And just to say, brilliant, I don't blame you at all for asking that question. question, And neither does God. But we have some great answers through who's here. Not all as comforting as we might hope for, but some good answers. So I want us to ask ourselves one question this morning, okay? So one thing in your mind. In what area of my life do I need to know that God is faithful? Quickly turn to the person next to you, wake up time, ask them this rhetorical question. In, in what area of your life do you need to know that God is faithful? Okay, turn to the person next to you. In what area of your life do you need to know that God is faithful? Just trying to get this sinking. All right, before we jump into our reading... Um, I think we're going to do this. We are going to do this. I thought it'd be good to do a visual demonstration because Hosea is such a visual book, okay? You've got this amazing enacted prophecy. And so um, I need a couple, I need four volunteers. Well, maybe not volunteers, just people I pick (laughs) to take part. And I really, I really, it was going to be like a a parent-child kind of scenario. Um, I'm looking around the room, I can't see many, Um, maybe John and Rachel. I don't know if they'd be up for volunteering for something this morning, maybe. Is that, is that a no? Okay, that is fine. That's good. Um, in that case, I'm going to go for some couples. Maybe Scott and Sarah would be great. And Keith and Rachel, you're, you've seemed a long way apart this morning. And this could be a good bonding exercise for you today. Um, Hattie, could you come and just help me out with this a little bit? So Rachel's nominated Keith. That's good. <laughs> Sarah, you might want to nominate Scott. So we've got some lovely baby food. Because Scott's being fussy, I'll let him choose first. Do you want the Sunday chicken dinner... Or the pasta bake with tuna. Yeah, I it.
0: Um, go I'm going to go
1: chicken, not fish, thanks. Yeah. Chicken for Scott, okay. Chicken for Scott, and uh, we've got no there No, there's no armholes because that could lead to cheating. All right, Jordan. all right. So you can take the tops off your food there. Um, and what this is <laughs> is a race to see. But <laughs> it's actually worse than I. No. The thing with baby food, it stinks, but it doesn't taste of anything, does it? I don't know if you've ever noticed that or tried it. Uh, I've forgotten one important thing. You need to take your seats, Keith and Sarah. You are going to be blindfolded, obviously, so no cheating. And all you need to do is reach over, and it's a race to the, a race to the bottom of the jar. All right, I feel like um, we should be cheering them a little bit or something for this, but let's just, um, let's just laugh at them instead. It'll be fine. All right, we're going to give you a little countdown. Spoon yeah, no, you do get spoons, you do get spoons, that is good. Okay, so you might want to lean over, that's it. No, we don't need the box. because they're going to eat the whole jar, so it's fine. All right, on your marks, got a little bit of music there, maestro, ready,
2: steady, go. <laughs> come on, Scott, come on. Come on, this is good. This isn't as messy as I thought. Oh, this side's getting messy. This is good. Uh, just to say at the moment, Rachel and Keith are winning by a, a good, good margin. Come on, keep going. This is good. Keep it going. Why well, don't Keith go Yes, Keith. Come on. Rachel, you're doing amazing here. This is the competitive edge coming out. Oh! I don't, keep it going, they're nearly there. Two more spoonfuls, two more can you say the words as well, Keith? That's important. You need to say two more spoonfuls. Two more spoonfuls. Last spoonful! Last spoonful. One big one there for Scott, that's good. Oh, Rachel and Keith, let's give them the round of applause. They definitely win that one.
1: That had nothing to do with anything. That just, no, it has. That's has got something to do with something. We will find out a little bit later on. That will become clear. I want to read for us um, God's love for Israel um, from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. How can I make you like Zebaim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against the the cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. I wonder um, how many of you can think of a time when you're reminded that you're loved, maybe as a friend or as someone, um, a partner or somebody at church. Um, I don't think I've actually got any of my love letters from Jo. Back in the day, we used to actually write letters to each other. I hope she hasn't got all of mine. I hope she doesn't bring them forward one day. Um, but I found this recently in the back of a box at home, um, back from our courting days before the term single-use plastic had been invented. A little kind of credit card thing, which Jo had just given me once. And um, I, I brought that and just thought that lovely reminder to Matt... It's true, I do. Heaps of love. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, it's good to be reminded that we're loved, isn't it? Um, Verse 1 begins, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called him. God's people were absolutely, completely, wholeheartedly loved right from the beginning, right back to Jacob. Jacob. So there's no way I can ever be apologetic for saying that God loves his children. It's so clear, it's so repeated through all of scripture. The whole book is based on God's love for his children. If Hosea hadn't loved his unfaithful wife, if he didn't really care what she got up to or who she had sex with, the whole image would just fall apart, wouldn't it? As we ask ourselves that question today, In what area of my life do I need to know that God is faithful? We have to begin by knowing we are loved. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And there's just so much in this one verse. We really could spend weeks and weeks on it. Um, For the people listening to Hosea, they'd be reminded of their history, the exodus. God rescuing them out of slavery and hopelessness. This part of their history was a benchmark of God's love for them, a constant reminder of his faithfulness. We keep coming across this reminder. If you read the Bible, you'll just keep coming across reminders about this story. You can read it in Exodus, obviously, a good place to start. Um, But there it is in Psalm 78, Psalm 105, Psalm 106, Joshua 24, Nehemiah 9 all give you little abridged versions. That's the quick way of reading it, if you ever kind of want a little tip on how can I read um, the Exodus story quickly. Well, maybe it's worth um, watching the Prince of Egypt. Anybody ever watched a Prince of Egypt cartoon? Just a brilliant way of getting into what this unfolding story of God's love is all about. And here it is in this one verse. I kind of love it. It's so succinct, and it's summed up just a few words. Out of Egypt I called my son. And I know when we read it, we kind of, Okay, next thing. <laughs> but the significance it would have to those people to be reminded, oh, ouch, yes, God, you rescued us right in the beginning. You brought us out of a place of slavery. Verse 2 reminds us of the problem Hosea is addressing. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. God is also faithful to his word, which doesn't just mean a blessing and it is amazing God's faithfulness in blessing us. But how many times do we read God saying, But if you don't obey my commands, this is what's going to go wrong for you? He's always been clear that when we walk away from him, we're walking into trouble. Not because he's overbearing, but because any choice other than God's leading is going to be far from best and at worst painful, damaging, and destructive. So we see this in verses five to seven. Will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. You see it, right? I, I look, my people are determined to to turn for me. Not just making mistakes, they're determined. <coughs> I'm, I'm really loving our Alpha group that's happening at the moment. Um, Alpha, for anybody that doesn't know, with a 10-week introduction to what Christian faith is all about. Just give me a wave if you've never done Alpha. Anybody in the room never done Alpha, or if you can be brave. Okay. Right, get their names. Okay, get names. Uh, The level of honesty and openness in the group is just right up there. I'm absolutely loving it. And we got talking about wrong decisions last week, and one of the group said, I'm going to be really honest with you. There have been times in my life when I've done things wrong, and I knew they were wrong, but I still did it. And um, that kind of sat with me a little bit because, of course, I do the same. <laughs> I'm sure we've all done the same. But to hear somebody verbalize it, it, somehow hit home with me. This thing of, oh, sometimes we're determined to do things wrong. We're determined to ter- turn from God. Um, yeah, my people are determined to turn from me. Now, what is a faithful God who loves us and created us with free will to respond to his love? What's God supposed to do with that? His love isn't faithful if he takes away our free will. And so Israel does end up being decimated by Assyria because of their choices. But here we also see um, what that means to God. So, uh, yeah, let's first just look a little bit more at the description of God's love for his people in verses 3 to 4. It's just uh, beautiful, so good. It was I who taught Ephraim. Um, That's just another name for Israel. To walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. God longs to lead with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. And I love this. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. Now, we've probably all seen parents doing that um, hovering right over their child, trying to teach them to walk, grabbing them by the hands and just encouraging them to do it. And they always seem to do it as if it's the first child that's ever walked, don't they? It's like, oh, look at that! Oh, God, it's just a beautiful picture. And God gives us that picture. I just think that's amazing, the almighty God um, says that of us. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to take you by the hands. And I don't know if you've ever seen, um, uh, but little Fliss, Deb and Dave's daughter, loves to come and give me a hug. No accounting for taste is what I say. And she'll run up and she wants to be picked up. And um, I do this thing, which I think everyone does, but probably nobody else actually does do. We do this thing, we blow air in our cheeks, like this, and then we push our cheeks again and go like this and as i was reading those words i was thinking oh my goodness god that's what you're saying you do you pull us up and you, th- you hold us cheek to cheek this is an incredible picture isn't it this isn't um god just saying yeah i love you Ah, oh, i want to i want to bring you close um and my kids are too big now when i give them a hug i'm kind of lucky to get away with that broken rib and so like when fliss gives me a hug it is so good for my heart it's so amazing and here we come to our, a brilliant visual demonstration of the baby food, just in case you were thinking he really did just make that up. Um, I bent down to feed them. Isn't that brilliant? He could have just said, I gave them food. But I bent down, I came close to feed them. Almighty God scooched down, smiled at his child and said, Oh, take another spoonful, take the last spoonful. I love it. You can see so clearly in these verses also the pain that it causes God. The lengths he will go to not to see his people punished. There can never be any hint of the idea that God stands idly by or even somehow gets pleasure from seeing our suffering. We see how God is emotionally torn in this situation. Verse 8 says, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? Just a reminder that they're both the same, meaning the place and the people. How can I treat you like Admah? How can I make you like Zebaim? Um, Those two cities were completely destroyed way back along with Sodom and Gomorrah, never re-inhabited, still to this day, not actually rediscovered. They kind of know vaguely where they are. My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. And God goes on to bring his faithfulness to the fore again at the end of this passage with a promise of restoration. I'm going to read it. The New Living Translation puts it this way. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return, trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Circling back to Hosea's relation to his unfaithful wife, Goma, and uh, its symbolic representation of God's relation to his people. Hosea's children were told to drive the unfaithful mother out of the house, but actually it was her reform, not her riddance, that was sought. The prophet was ordered to continue loving her, and he took her back. It's always God's heart for his children to come back. It may sound unlikely or irrational to us, uh, but verse 9 reminds us, For I am God, not a man, the Holy One among you. Or I like how um, other translation phrase this, I am the Holy One in your midst. A wiser man than me uh, says these words, God, the Holy One, has all the power, glory, and awesomeness that Isaiah sensed at his commissioning, and that Jerusalem's citizens were able to celebrate at the return from exile. Yet that incomparable one is present and at work amongst his rebellious people, disclosing to them his innermost feelings, pledging his compassion despite their disloyalty. And he defines his otherness, his divine uniqueness, not in terms of power, wisdom, or sovereignty, but in terms of love, constant, sure, steadfast faithful the revelation of holiness shed its light down the long path of biblical understanding through the new testament and into the heart of the church and to us today Um, we've got a little bit of time an opportunity to pray this morning i've got two areas in mind which um, i'd like to frame around this verse um, which the leadership team shared together on tuesday night so 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So the first thought in my mind is there an area of your life where you need to know that God is faithful? And that, like I said earlier, I wanted to add that that isn't just around an area of struggle, which is completely fine it could be, but also an area maybe you want God to strengthen you. This first talks about um, being strengthened, and we talked about that as elders. Um, the second is an opportunity to pray for our church leadership team. They're a beautiful lot, aren't they? Look at them there. Um, the team met together on Tuesday, and we realized there are so many good things happening in the life of the church God is blessing us and we've got a lot to be thankful for. And we just don't want to take that for granted because we recognize that there's also a very real spiritual battle going on. But we grabbed hold of this verse and said, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will protect you from the evil one. Um, So what we're going to do to close close this morning is actually we're going to... um, Like I said, a couple of options. We're going to turn into groups. And I've got that picture up there. You can pray for our leadership team. If you don't know their names, that is fine. Um, But pray for them. Pray that we're going to see strengthening. We're going to see blessing. We're going to see more of God's goodness through the life of this church. The other thing is that thing of um, where do you need to know that God is faithful? And if that's you this morning, I don't want you to kind of, um, you could take the easy option and say, I'll pray for the leadership team, (laughs) because that's easy. But if if you'd like prayer around that area where you need to know God's faithfulness, there'll be a few of us around. Is that all right, Rachel? Who else is here from the prayer team this morning? Is there one or two others around? There'll be a few of us here. We'll be here at the front. Um, but let's let's spend, we've got a good bit of time this morning. Let's really spend a bit of time praying for our leadership team and thinking around those things for ourselves. If you'd like prayer for that, that would be good. Okay, I'll just pray as we move into that time. Lord, I just thank you for that uh, message of your incredible love and your faithfulness to us. You just don't stop. You just do not stop loving us. However far away we um, choose to walk, even when we're determined to walk away from you. You still love us, you still hold out for us. And Lord, that recognition that it breaks your heart, it really does, it absolutely, um, yeah, it tears you to see us um, walking away. And Lord, we we just give you our hearts this morning, want to be honest with you. want to thank you that you are faithful to us and come back to you, Lord, in those places.